To the Beards and Bible Podcast, a podcast that brings together a love for good beer and Bible discussion. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. In the words of the reformer Martin Luther, Whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus let us drink beer. So let's join our hosts Rick and Patrick for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 36 of the Beers Bible Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Patrick. And I am your other host, Rick. And we're glad to be with you tonight. Yep, here we are hoping that when this releases, coronavirus is a thing of the past. Let's just pretend like it's going to be a thing of the past. How about that? Okay. So, coronavirus <laughs> doesn't exist. It's going to be like um, the Mandela effect. From the Sinbad movie? Yes, from Sinbad yes. or um, Berenstain Bears or there's a bunch of other ones, but I don't remember what they are. So, anyway. So, welcome. Welcome. back. Life is back to normal <laughs> by the time this releases. <laughs> by the time this comes out. <laughs> And if that is a lie, we're sorry. And that's actually kind of um, uh, timely, for just given the topic of discussion for tonight, when we yes. get to when we get to Packer about <laughs> truth and lie. So, truth, don't tell lies. Don't tell lies, Patrick. Um, <laughs> so we hope we're having a good week. Um, if life is back to normal for you, congrats. If it's not, we're sorry. And hang in there. Yeah, hang in there. Drink some more beer. It'll get better. Um, tonight we are, um, going, we're leaving the, leaving the confines of the United States again, and we have gone to, is this Germany? It's probably German or Bavarian. Yeah, so it's, there, it's brewed in Germany, or brewed and bottled by a company in Germany, Germany, so I'm going to say it's in Germany. Um, and we, this is the, um, Hefe Weiss beer from... Weihenstaufener. Yeah, I'm going to let you say that two times fast. I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> um, it's a Bavarian-style wheat beer. Um, the website is somewhat useful. Surprisingly, some breweries it's not at all. Um, let's see here. Let's go to flavor. 30 nuances of banana and cloves. Little this a little interesting. That could be fun or not fun. That could be interesting, like I said. <laughs> um, this has got an ABV of 5.4% and 14 IBUs. So this is going to be right up your alley there, Rick. Love it. Love um, it. It's won a bunch of awards. So, do you remember back in uh, when we were doing the Oktoberfest beers and the the one that we did, the uh, I, can't, I can't remember which one it was from, but it was one of the German ones. And and it said on the bottle, it said brewed to the brewed under the purity law. Yeah. Yeah. This one is the same thing. So I think that was Hofbrau. That may have been Hofbrau. It says brewed under the purity law of 1516. So for the record, it has, there has been law concerning how to brew beer in Germany for 200, no, 500 years now. Do your math right. That's a long time. Yeah, that's, that's good to know. So the law on how to brew beer has been around longer than the United States has been around. That's why the Germans are better at beer than we are. They the really record. are. <laughs> um, and <laughs> the this brewery claims to be the world's oldest brewery. So I don't know They've if we can... It's been brewing since 1516. I don't know if we can verify <laughs> that. Um, the bottle says since 1040. Well, I believe it. Up on the t- up on the top neck ring. Oh yeah, but um, the bottle's really. I mean, it's a classic German looking bottle. Um, it reminds me a lot of the German Oktoberfest bottles yes. that we had. Um, it's an amber looking beer. Uh, 
nothing really happening. Good. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. I think it's, it's going to be better than what we had. Uh, it's going to be better than what we had last week, it's, I think. I'm pretty certain it's going to be Calic or Calic or whatever. So I drank another one of those um, later in the week. Yeah. And um, it did not get any better. <laughs> it actually, I, the second time I drank it, I, I didn't have it. Um, I didn't do it through the through my tap thing. Yeah. And it was actually probably worse. If I had drank it that way when we did the episode last week, I probably would have given it a lower score. Than two, than Dang three. it. So so the tap makes beer better. That's that's what okay. I'm saying. We just confirmed that. Yes. So By scientific reasoning. Well, on that one beer made it better. <laughs> so let's, um, let's crack them open. Let's do it and get to it. Here we go. One, two, three, go. Oh, that one was like positioned perfectly on the microphone. I'm always impressed by what yours sound like. I don't feel like mine ever sound like good. Oh, they do. This is a good smelling beer. Yeah, it is. So I'm pouring it up and it looks like it's got the the color of like a blue moon. Mm-hmm. So you have that. It's It's not dark amber. Um, it's, it's a golden, this is almost like a golden ale, which it's a, it's a Bavarian style, which I think the Blue Moon is a Belgian style, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not real sure what the difference between Bavarian and Belgian is, but, um, someone wants to enlighten us, that'd be great. Yes. Help us out there. We're not experts, but, uh, I definitely got, I got a, a Patrick style foam head on my, I think on that, my tonight. <laughs> I think that has to, I think that's got to be something in the beer, so. Um, because I've got it too. I actually didn't even get all of mine out of the bottle yet, so I'm just gonna have to yeah, wait for that to die down. Still, so, mine's still, I still got some in mine, my bottle, so, which is so, good because I'll save it for later. Yeah, so what do we do? Do we like wait for the foam to die down before we oh, no. go ahead? We, we get foam mustaches, is what we do. Okay, because well, that's what German people would do, and actually, German people wouldn't get any uh beer on their mustache. That's what the movies told me they did. Well. The movies may have lied. <laughs> movies never lie. Wrong. Anywho, let's give this thing a shot and see because I'm, yeah. I'm I'm pumped about this one and hoping that it's way better than the two and a half that we had last week. So yeah. So here we go. The bottoms Hefe. up from yeah Hefe Weiss beer. Here we go. Okay, so this reminds me of a beer that we've already had, and I'm going to see if it reminds you of the same one. And I'll give it, I'll tell you this, it's one of my, it's one of the ones that I really liked. Like, Is I it did, one that we both had at the same time? Yes. Okay, that yes. helps. We both had it at the same time, and I have gone back and bought this one several times. Before relocating. Um. I got nothing. Good. I, I'm not sure. So not this sure. reminds me of the classic city lager. Does it really? Yes, it does. It's 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 the flavor. The texture is a little bit different. This one's a little bit thicker than the classic city lager was. But yeah. the flavor of it. Reminds me of that Classic City Lager flavor, okay. which I love. I, I really enjoyed the Classic City Lager. It was it was one that I went back and bought several times, uh, and actually tried several different ones from from the Creature Comforts Brewery there. Um, in fact, I have uh, I have our our mutual friend Benny uh, sent me a message the other day, and and he picked up something from from the Creature Comforts and sent it to me oh. because. Uh, None of none of the places where I am have creature comforts. That and, is, and he could he could get a hold of it. So he was like, "Hey man, do you want something?" I was like, "Yes, please send me." Does something. he have a contact there or something? I don't think so. Um, he was just down in the area, okay, and and uh, and bought it. And so so he's. I was like, "Please send me some. I'll pay you for it. I'll." That's fair enough. So. So I'm, I'm I'm waiting on my package menu, which by the time this comes out, I will have already received it and drank it. You hope that it has gotten there by now. Um, 
So looking at it, it's um, it's a good beer. It is. It's uh, I feel like I'm not gonna rate it as high as you are. I, I have that feeling. And this this is a rare a rare occasion, but I already I can tell you what I'm gonna give this. Yeah. Um. I guess I'll go ahead and go so we can build okay. up build up what yours is going to be. <laughs> this is a good beer. Um, to me, not anything exceptionally special about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good. It's you know, I, I keep coming back to that idea of like a beer tasting beer or like a beer drinking beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this is a good beer tasting beer. It's you know, it's not too heavy. It's not too sweet, but it's also not too bitter. Um, it's pretty smooth. Um, it's definitely not an American beer. I can tell no. that much. No. Um, I, I think that if I had, if I drank this blind, I'd be able to tell this wasn't an American beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that being said, I'm going to give this one four Luthers on a scale okay. of one to five. Okay. Um, I'm not disappointed that I've got more in the fridge. Um, I might buy it again, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna come in at four. Coming in at four. Well, I, I am going to surprise you because you probably think I'm gonna give this five, and I'm not. Well, I knew um, I knew you wouldn't give it five. <laughs> I'm not that crazy. <laughs> this is a this is a really good beer, and to me, like this is on par right there with the classic city water. Like this is. It's a little bit different. It has it has a little bit of the the different flavor. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to say flavor. It's not flavor. It's the feel. It's the texture of it. It's a little bit different than the classic city. Yeah. But the flavor to me is is just like the classic city. And so so I'm also going to come in at four Luthers on this one. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm going to come in at four. I thought you were going to come in a little higher. Well, I'm going four because I gave the classic city lager four, and I feel like this is I mean this is like on par with the classic city lager. Okay. So, so I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it right there beside the classic city lager. I would definitely drink this again. Which I mean, for me, a four, I'm drinking it. I'm I'm going to get more. Uh, you know, I'm adding it to the rotation, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Like I'm I'm gonna go get another one. Um, but it's just it's a good beer. This would be, uh, this would be a good dinner beer. Mm-hmm. This would be a good after dinner beer. It really yeah. would. Um, Can't confirm. <laughs> this would be a good, uh, you know, hanging out on the porch or whatever. Um, I think the only time where I may not like this beer would be like if I were hot and sweaty. Yeah, um, it, it I don't is. I want it then. It is a pretty heavy beer. Yeah, yeah. It's and that's the, I think that's the difference is it's a little bit heavier than the classic city mm-hmm. lager, but the flavor is as good yeah. as the classic city lager. Yeah. Um, but why hen Stoffener? Why hen Stephaner? You say that? <laughs> if if I butchered that, please forgive me. Um, but. Good job. We're both going to give you four Luthers out of five. I think Luther would be proud of of the of the German beer there. Um, I wonder. I wonder if Luther had this one. I mean, oh, maybe so. The, I mean, they, they've definitely been going since fifteen sixteen, and Luther was a fan of beer. And I mean, so you have the you have the let's insinuate in fifteen seventeen. Let's insinuate that he did have this one. Yes. So Luther drank Weihen uh, <laughs> Steffener. <laughs> And uh, um, and Luther would give it five out of five. Luther, I think Luther would give any beer five out of five just to <laughs> just to you know mess with the with the religious elite. True story. Be like, oh, uh, that beer tastes like sewage water. It's five, five Luthers, five <laughs> Luthers, no doubt. So, but there you have it. Our uh, our beer review for this week is um, the Hefe Weiss beer. The Hefe Weiss beer from Weihenstaffener. I just like saying that. I think it's fun to say. It is fun. I wish I had a good enough German. So I have a friend that speaks German, and, mm-hmm. and I'm probably going to send him a message and be like, all right, I need you to video yourself saying this in German and how mm-hmm. to say it the correct way so I can learn how to say it. Yeah. So, but so. but hey, look, good job. Four out of five Luthers is great. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. We like your beer. Mm-hmm. We There's not much German beer that we haven't not liked. Let's be real. There isn't much beer that we haven't liked. You could take... <laughs> Regardless True. of where it is, even the beer even from the, the bottle got two and a half. Yeah. <laughs> two and a half is like I'll drink it. 
I mean, yeah. I'd be happy about it, but I'll drink it. <laughs> it's better than water. It is. So, <laughs> but um, now we're done with uh, done with our review for the week, and we are moving into the next discussion from GI Packer's Concise Theology. We're going to talk prayer and oaths and vows. Let's do it. We're here to talk about concise theology again. We're moving on in our study of concise theology, and tonight we're going to talk about prayer, and we're going to talk about oaths and vows, and it's going to be a good time. So let's dive right into this discussion. Let's talk about prayer first. So Packer says that the Christian's practice of fellowship with God is is what he defines prayer as, and mm. I would actually agree with that. That is, uh, you know, a lot of times we think about prayer as this, like, you know, God's this genie in a bottle and we have to go and ask. And that's what prayer is. But prayer is not this asking and receiving concept. Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, this is fellowship. This is like two friends talking to each other is really yeah. what prayer is. Yeah. And, and I mean, God made us for and then redeemed us for fellowship with him. Yes. Like that was that the, the God had no need to make Adam and Eve. He had no need. For, he, he had. I mean, he was uh, perfect in the he, Trinity. He was perfect. He was in perfect fellowship. Yeah, in the Trinity, and yet he still made Adam and Eve, knowing that they would re- rebel against him, and knowing that he would have to make a way for them for man to be able to have fellowship with him again. Yeah. Um. And so prayer is that fellowship. Um, yes, yes. You were about to say something. <laughs> I feel like you were about to say something. <laughs> I was going to read Luke eleven two through four. Go is what it. I was going to do. Go for it. So, so Packer points to eleven two through four, and he says, "He said to them, when you pray, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into, into temptation." So it's just like a little excerpt out of the Lord's prayer. Um, which is a little bit longer in Matthew, but, but it's, I mean, if you, if you take that prayer and just kind of boil it down to the, to the nuts and bolts, you get from Jesus directly who FYI, Jesus is God. We've already discussed this. Um, but, but from Jesus, you basically get a blueprint. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you notice through, through the, through the Lord's prayer, it's not that it's not about asking God for things and, and doing this, but you do, I mean, you do do that. Um, but it's really about pointing to and reflecting on the glory of God in your life. Mm. And that's where, that's where that fellowship aspect I think really comes in because when we think more and more about the glory of God in our life and we try to live our lives for the glory of God, then, then we end up in this deeper fellowship with God. We end up with this, uh, this, almost like a different perspective. I don't, I don't want to say a new perspective because it's not, but mm-hmm. we end up with, with a different, you know, it's, it's, it's the whole concept of when you spend a you, when you spend a day with somebody else going through what they've gone through and listening to their story, you kind of gain a new perspective. You don't necessarily, you don't have to agree with that person, mm-hmm. but, but you at least understand where they're coming from. And that's kind of the, the idea that I think about when I think about prayer. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not about getting what we want. It's not about asking for things, mm-hmm. but it's about training our mind to understand things from God's perspective and developing that Christian mm-hmm. worldview. Does that make yeah. sense? I think of it as like, like think about your marriage and what your marriage would be like if you never spoke to your spouse. Yes. But like you don't have that fellowship. You don't have that relationship over time. Like I know couples who have been together for 10, 15, 20 years and they, each, they can literally finish, I know it's like cliche, but they can literally finish each other's uh, 
I almost said sandwiches for frozen <laughs> sentences. They can almost they can almost finish each other's sentences. Disney's um, on everybody's brain right now. It really is. <laughs> Stinking coronavirus. Um, but you know, so you know, but you you don't get to that point without talking and spending time with your spouse. Yes. And if you don't do that, then you're setting your marriage up for failure. Yes. Um, and in the same way, prayers are. Spending time with God, not just mm-hmm. asking him to do things for us, but, you know, we, we read the Bible and we, you know, the Holy Spirit reveals in us characteristics about God. Prayer is our opportunity to talk to God about those things that the Holy Spirit has revealed to us. Yes. Through yes. the reading of his word. Yes. Um, and, you know, we talk to God about himself. We talk to God about ourselves, uh, about ourselves, and then we can, you know, we talk to God about other people. Um, and, and here's like, here's the thing that, that I know I have found it weird at times and I know that other people have found it weird at times, but like telling God, Oh God, you know, God, I don't like this. You know, we know that God already knows that we don't like it. Yeah. But that, but that shouldn't negate the fact that we still need to tell, we need to pour that out because Mm -hmm. I mean, let's be honest. How many times have you felt better? After you got something, like you said something to somebody, yeah. you got it off of your chest, and you you know that they already knew. You know, mm-hmm. they knew something was wrong. They, they may have not known exactly what it was, but they knew something was wrong. They knew something was bothering you. And so, you get it off your chest, and then you, you kind of sort everything out, and you go, why didn't I do that earlier? Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of have that relief yeah. feeling. That That's a lot. That's what I, I believe that a lot of people feel about prayer. They go, you know... It ends up being this last resort kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then when they do it, they go, why didn't I do that earlier? Yeah. I you think know? I think with prayer, we have this, like, idea that we have to come to God and have this, like, super holy, super uh, spiritual language. And yeah. if we don't say everything right, then God's not listening to us. Yeah. I had a Sunday school teacher one time tell us that uh, uh, it was, I guess it was in high school, maybe, and the... Uh, her and her husband were praying together and she said they just told God like and she was explaining this and this was the first time I'd really ever heard this because I was a relatively young believer and she said you know we just told God that something sucks (laughs) and in my head I'm like you know what that makes a whole lot of sense because God already knows yes what you think about a situation and if you think that if you think that what you're going through sucks Tell God that, you know, yeah, like, exactly. You may not tell your five-year-old kid that because you don't want them walking around saying, <laughs> saying that right now, <laughs> but God already knows, you know, the attitude of your mind, the, uh, what's, what you feel in your heart. And so yes. you're not going to surprise God by telling him anything. No. So it's just, that was an, that was a really like eye-opening thing for me. And, yes. and I try to remember that when I'm praying is like. Just say what's on your mind and, and and just tell God what you're feeling and don't, yeah. you know, because God already knows it anyway. And you're going to feel a lot better if you say it out loud. Yes. So it's, uh, you know, so I have two kids and, and one of them is a little bit older and, and we've been talking through, you know, how to pray and, and what to pray for and that kind of stuff. And, and I've really, as a parent, I've tried to avoid, you know. You need to pray exactly like this. You need to say it this way. You need to do this. And I just, you know, I will tell my kids, uh, you know, you just need to tell God what you think about something. If you want to ask for help, then you ask God to help you with something. If you want to ask God to help somebody else, you say, you know, God, would you help this person? Would you do this for this person? And tell God exactly what you want. Don't, Mm -hmm. you know, don't try to sugarcoat it. Don't try to change it. Don't try to make it sound pretty. Just tell God exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. And 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 I've done this with my kids, um, but Packer does it here, and he talks about the four different, and he calls it the fourfold activity. Mm-hmm. And and I've I've heard of this uh, for a long time, but it's uh, he he does it a little bit differently. But I call it the axe model. Mm-hmm. A C T S. You have adoration, contrition, or or you could say confession. Uh, thanksgiving and supplication. Mm-hmm. So you have this this four these four different things. Let's let's walk because I believe this is this is an important way. If you don't know how to pray, if you've never thought, man, how do I pray? What's a what's a what's something that I can do that's not cookie cutter? 
you know, that, that allows me to be able to say the things that are on my mind, mm -hmm. but still kind of, you know, model after the way Jesus, and, and really and truly the Lord's prayer follows this model. Yeah. Um, you know, he starts off, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed, you know, Lord, your name is above everything else. So you can almost take the Lord's prayer and break it down into little sections yeah. mm -hmm. and, and then, and then just kind of add, add to it. So adoration, what do we do? What are we saying when we give adoration to God? It's not a rhetorical question. Well, I mean, you know, adoration is just thanking God for, or just, no, it's not even thanking. It's telling God that he's great and telling God that he is good and, and that he is above all things and he is greater than anything that we could possibly imagine. Yes. And, and just however whatever words it takes you to say that even even if that is a song and that's the thing like prayer doesn't have to be you're kneeling down with your hands folded and your eyes closed prayer mm -hmm. doesn't have to be that prayer can be you know well I, I love hearing new worship songs that, that really focus and centralize on the glory and the goodness of god because it's ways that we can tell god how good he is there's a mm -hmm. um there's a new song that's come out recently and several people have covered it, but it's called king of kings mm -hmm. it's, I mean, so I've, good. I've listened to it on repeat several times because it's just so good mm -hmm. you know and it talks about god being the king of kings the the lord over all he is and and so you're you know you're saying these things and and what you're doing with your mouth you're telling your brain, you're saying, you know, you are Lord of all, you are King of Kings. You're, you're just reiterating this stuff to yourself. And really it's not for God's benefit. God's going to get the glory he wants no matter what. Mm -hmm. This is for your own benefit. Adoration is for your own benefit to remind you how big God is and how small you are. And right. so, so it puts, it puts the relationship, the fellowship that we're talking about going into into a right perspective. Mm -hmm. God, we are your servants. You are worthy of all praise. You are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. And we're here to adore you and we're here to praise you. So yeah. that's adoration. Yeah. And then you move, that moves you into uh, either contrition or confession. Yeah. Um, talk about that. Talk about contrition and confession. Yeah. So um, contrition is uh, just a, uh, contrite is just a feeling of, remorse or um you can say it's you know a repentant heart mm -hmm. guilt um so when we talk about contrition we're talking about this like deep remorse for our sin for um any wrongs that we've committed against others or god and we bring that to god when we pray and just say god i um i confess this to you and um I am seeking your forgiveness um, for this sin against you or the mm -hmm. sin against other people, which is also a sin against God. Um, but I'm seeking forgiveness for that sin. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's telling, it's telling, it's telling God that you recognize your sin, that you recognize that it was wrong and you, that you are seeking forgiveness for that sin. Yes. Yes. And, and this is not, uh, again, contrition is not, I'm sorry I got caught. Yeah. You know, uh, a, a truly contrite heart is one that says, I have wronged the God of the universe. Mm -hmm. I have done evil in his sight. And, and I mean, let's remember now that even our greatest acts, even the best of what we have is like filthy rags before God. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, it doesn't matter how great we think we are we are still as filthy rags before a holy and just God. And so that yeah. should produce that contrition, that confession inside of us. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm, I, I want to be careful because you, you don't, you don't want to go too far. And, and I almost like, I, I, I really love Luther in this point because he points to, uh, and I've mentioned it before, this theology of the cross um, you know, we hide ourselves behind this and, and it's, we make ourselves meager and we make ourselves humble and we make ourselves, uh, almost to a point humiliated, but we do it. Uh, and it's, and it's not something that we do inside of ourselves. It's something that God puts in us. Um, but we do these things for the glory of God. 
Mm-hmm. You know, all of this, everything that we're talking about here points back to the glory of God. And so uh, the way the way Luther describes it when he talks about his theology of the cross is we hide ourselves so far underneath the cross that all people see when they look at our lives is the cross. Mm. You know, it's a, it's a, man, that guy is, is really humble, but he's not humble in a way that, that makes him look proud or, or, you know, he's not weird. He's not weirdly humble, I guess. is the, He's not the, the most humble guy everyone knows <laughs> or that he, him, he himself knows. Yeah. And, and he doesn't have to announce his humbleness to everybody else, mm-hmm. you know, um, you, you know, uh, so, so, but, it, but it produces this natural humbleness mm-hmm. in our minds. It produces this natural humbleness in our hearts and that leads to confession, at least you can try this. Mm-hmm. You can see this all through the Psalms. When you look at the, the confessions of David in the Psalms, Psalm 91, um, you know, the, the a lot of the lament Psalms uh, mm-hmm. are, are built around the confession that, you know, David, I messed this up. And then you go, then you go read the New Testament, you see David as the shining example of what people should be. You know, mm-hmm. David's almost put up on a pedestal and you're like, wow, this guy was an adultering, murdering, you know, Lying, lying, cheating, mm-hmm. stealing. <laughs> he he broke almost all of the commandments, yet he's still called a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the way that he, that he lived his life in confession, mm-hmm. he lived his life in contrition. Yeah, you know, it's not about doing everything right, but it's about recognizing when you're wrong and fixing it. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, um, and so that puts us when we go through confession, when we go through contrition that puts us in a state of thankfulness to God mm-hmm. because first John one nine says, if you confess with your mouth, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And, and if there's no other verse in the Bible that should produce thankfulness in your heart, that verse right there should do it. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Mm-hmm. And so if you are confessing with a contrite heart, with contrition, then you are, he is faithful and just. He is the one who forgives us our sins. Does that make, does, does yeah. that, does that yeah. follow? It, yeah, it's, it's a, everything kind of flows from, from one to the next. Um. <laughs> Lost my train of thought. Sorry. So, so. Your confession of your sin leads to um, seeking of forgiveness, and like you said, God is faithful and just to forgive, and that's one of the benefits that we receive when you know when we're praying, and we pray for forgiveness and we confess that our for sin, and we can we can be thankful and um, be thankful for that forgiveness, um, thankful for. Uh, provision, thankful for protection, um, thankful for all the things that I think we take for granted when there's not an a, an interruption in them. Yeah, and then and then once once there is an interruption, we suddenly turn we turn to God and like, oh God, I forgot that you are the supplier of all my needs, and that <laughs> everything I do is is worthless compared to what you do. Um. But you're—I mean—you're absolutely right that having a truthful, like, fully remorseful confession of your sin, seeking and then seeking God's forgiveness, leads you to a thankful heart. Yes. You can't. I don't. I don't think you can truly go to God with a thankful heart if you have unconfessed sin in your yes. in your life. Yes. I mean, if you if you do, you you really need to check where your heart is. You need to check. Um, what's your, where the status of your heart is, because, um, you know, if, if you're able to do that, then it's almost like being able to look at someone that you've just stolen from and say, I didn't steal that. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't regret what I took from you. Um, I'm, I'm reminded of, of Hebrews chapter four, um, at the end of chapter four. and, And this is talking, talking about Christ being our high priest. And if you've never read the book of Hebrews, it's a it's a fantastic book that focuses on the person and work of Christ, mm-hmm. um, and and at the end of chapter four, uh, starting in verse fourteen, it says this: It says, "Since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession." 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet is without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hmm. You know, if you're if you're going through this uh, this this acts model of prayer, what you're doing is exactly what is described right there in Hebrews chapter four. You're going to God and you're adoring Him. You're confessing to Him. You're confessing your sins because He has been in our shoes. He has no. He knows our weaknesses. You know, He's the only person who is one hundred percent God and one hundred percent man. Mm-hmm. And and even though He went through all that, He didn't sin. So therefore, his sacrifice is the perfect sacrifice. And so because of that, we can draw near, we can come to him with confidence. This, that's the idea of thankfulness. Thankfulness says, God, I know what you did for me, and I'm thankful for what you did for me on the cross. Uh, and so I'm going to come to you with confidence with my needs, with my requests, with my help. And that moves us to the last part of this, this mm-hmm. Acts model, which is supplication and petitions. Yeah, and, and those are just simply... Um, I think what people typically bring to God when they pray is their petitions and supplications. There's mm-hmm. not as much of the uh, adoration and confession and yeah. thankfulness, but we come to God with almost a wish list of, you know, God, please do this, this, and this. And it's mm-hmm. not all. It's not all bad. Um, it's not. It's not every. Not everything is a, is a selfish thing by any yeah. stretch. Um. Yeah. But typically, when when we say, you know, you should pray, we usually also tag on for your lost friends and for your lost family and for yeah. the country and and for your church and and we add those things on. And I think believers a lot of times just lump prayer in its entirety into just petitions and supplications. Yeah. yeah. I, I like to think about prayer, and, and this may be this may just be my mind the, the way that it works. But I like to think about prayer like setting a dinner table. Mm. You know, if if the first thing you do is go plop the main course down on the down on the table, then then you're going to be eating off of the table. Yeah, you know, with no silverware, with no plates, with no glasses, and you're just going to have a mess on the table. Exactly. But if you but if you properly set the table, if you put the glasses on there, you put. You know, the bowls for the salad, the plates for the meal, the all the proper utensils. If you do all of that stuff ahead of time, when you sit down to eat your meal, when you sit down to, to get the sustenance from that meal, everything works like it's supposed to. Exactly. You know, and, and hmm. again, uh, uh, with prayer, if we do all of the, the other stuff ahead of time, if we pray the way that Jesus instructed us to pray, if we mm-hmm. adore him first, if we confess to him first where we have failed, if we are thankful for the things that he has done in our lives. And then we say, you know, basically at the end, we tag on, oh God, would you help me with these things? Mm-hmm. You know, that really puts our mind in an attitude. And and I can't tell you how many times I've done this this type of prayer and ended up getting to the supplication part and gone, I don't really need to ask God for, for this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. He's, he's already convicted me enough in my life that, that you know what? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I don't. I don't need God to give me anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and so you end up. The supplication becomes less about God give me this, God give me that, God you know grant me this, but it becomes you interceding for people on their behalf. God, would you heal this person? Would you take away this pain? Would you step into this situation? Would you change this person's heart? Mm. Um, and and we start to and that that's kind of the whole mindset of prayer is. It changes, and this is where the fellowship aspect, going all the way back to the top, we talked about it being fellowship. This is where the fellowship aspect comes into prayer. When you when you get in a good conversation, when you're to the point of finishing somebody else's sentences. Sandwiches. Sandwiches. <laughs> you're, when you get to that point, you're, you're almost so in tune with that person. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think of like, you know, people who are, are really good friends. You know, it's almost like... If you've ever heard, and, and this is going to be this is going to be terrible, but I think of like King of the Hill, um, great show. <laughs> when all the guys are standing out back and they're like, "Yep, mm-hmm, okay, yeah, yep," <laughs> you know. But that that's almost just like they don't have to say anything, but they all know. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. you have, you know, the mind of God because you've sought him properly in prayer. Did you, and you know that he's giving you the desires of your heart because he's a good and just God. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I just want to point out that you used King of the Hill as an analogy for what our relationship with God should be. <laughs> I, I probably did. And maybe I'm a terrible Christian for doing that. And I, don't it, I don't, I don't think so. I think that speaks <laughs> to the heart of a lot of people, especially if they listen to our podcast. So probably, uh, so. probably so. So you're, you know, you're talking about, you know, making your petitions to God and, um, we need to remember that Jesus even taught that if we properly come to God, for, if we fervently but properly come to God, um, uh, and we bring our needs before Him, He'll He might even answer our prayer in the positive. But we've also got to remember that God might deny those requests, um, because He is God and knows what's best for us. Um, but He, he may even deny. Even even if we come to God properly and come to God fervently, um, but in in the end, God knows what's best for us. Yes, and and this I think this is a is a, a great opportunity to make this point. Prayer is not, will not, cannot ever be about God doing something for you. Right. If if He does, then that's for His glory. Yeah. If He doesn't. That's for his glory. Yeah, I think this is where this is where a lot of Orthodox Christians have a major problem with the prosperity gospel. Mm. Because the prosperity gospel teaches and you know, I know we've all seen the video of Kenneth Copeland spitting on the camera guy, you know, demanding that COVID nineteen go away or whatever. Poor guy. And he probably has COVID nineteen now. And people have, have given it to, you know, People have made it rap songs, and, and it's it's been a joke, and 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 I, I laugh at the jokes, but I almost am saddened by them at the same time because I see that, and I see people thinking they they think that's what Christianity is about. Mm-hmm. They think that guy is serious. Yeah. Um. Well, that guy is very serious. He's just not a serious representative of what Christianity is. Yeah. He he's very serious, and he's very seriously wrong. Yes. And, and 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 he's a heretic, and and mm-hmm. I want to be very clear about that. He is a heretic, and and he does not teach and does not promote biblical Christianity. Yeah, you know, um, and so so when we think of prayer like something like that, like a Kenneth Copeland, that's where we get this genie in a bottle perspective from. Mm. You know, God is here to answer my prayers. God is here to do what I tell Him to do. No, he's not. God is here for his glory, and and that's the end of the story. That's the end of it, and and everything past that is is justice or yeah. mercy. Yeah, you God, know, God is God is here for one thing and one thing only is that, and that is for His name to be glorified above yes. all else, above all else, with no comp- competition um, and no reservations. Um, I mean, think about like even Paul. You know, Paul asked for. I'm sure Paul prayed for God to remove the thorn in his side. Yeah. And never and God did never removed it. Yeah. And, and there's Paul, nothing wrong with asking for those things. No, there's nothing wrong with it, but just because you are obedient and uh fervently asking God and and asking him in the, in the, what Jesus describes as a proper as the proper way, God still may not answer. Exactly. And it's not that he's not answering; it's just that the answer is no. Yes, yes. I think I think that's important. Like if you've been praying for something for a long time, and it just hasn't happened or it doesn't happen, um, it's not that God didn't answer your prayer; it's just that God answered your prayer no. Yes, exactly. And it's you know, it, pray, prayer is one of those things that is that can be problematic for Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really can. And and so I do want to tread lightly. I want to tread lightly and, and I want to tell people that, you know, it's not wrong for you to ask God for things. It's not wrong for you to say, you know, God, would you please bless me? You know, that's not wrong on, mm-hmm. on the face value. Yeah. But you have to look at the heart behind the reason why you're asking for those things. You know, do you do you seek those things out of the glory of God, or do you seek those things for your own betterment? Um, you know, a lot of I, I think of you know, 
Okay, so let's let's give this example. Kenneth Copeland, let's let's go back to Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Copeland demands COVID nineteen goes away, you know, and, and he commands it dead and and all this kind of stuff. Um and, and he says if you have enough faith it will go away. That's you know, that's what he teaches. He teaches word of faith, which is if you believe what you say, if you have enough faith, then you then it will happen. If you don't believe then it won't happen. And so people like that go along and then and then I hear a story or I read an article about a story from a pastor and we talked about this for the last couple of weeks. You know, pastors, your due diligence is to take care of your flock. Well this pastor decides to in spite of all the warnings from government officials to convene his church. He does. The pastor con- contracts COVID-19 and dies. Now, I'm sure that that pastor probably prayed, you know, God, heal me of this. He probably prayed that. So did he not have enough faith or was God not willing to heal it? You know, wh- which which is it? In that situation, that's a, that's a hard place to be put in. Did mm-hmm. that pastor not have enough faith? I, I would want to think that a pastor would. Mm-hmm. But but the sad reality is that pastor put his own personal preferences over the betterment of his flock, and he put his own personal preferences over the betterment of what Scripture teaches. Yeah. And so he paid, he reaped what he sowed. And, and that's, I, I hate to say that. It troubles me to say that. Yeah. But he did. And, and so, you know, this is why we have to think critically about these types of issues as Christians. Yeah. This is why we have to do this kind of stuff. Um, and so, uh, I think that's, I think that's all, I think that's all I was saying on that topic. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think if, if we were going to wrap up prayer, um, just kind of just really simply, or as simply as possible, maybe. Um, it's that when we say, God, your will be done, we are explicitly and we are with our being saying, God, if um, we, God, we trust you and your goodness for what we're requesting, even if what you have planned for us is not what we're re- requesting. Exactly. Yeah. And so when we say, you know, God, your will be done. Even if it's not what I, even if it's not my will. Yeah. Because in the end, God's will is going to, going to happen one way or the other. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you hold to a sovereign view of, of God, that's, that's God's going to do what he wills to do. And, and what happens is the will of God. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that's, that's what sovereignty is. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I think mean, that's a great place to, to sum up and to wrap up prayer. <laughs> Sorry. Beer's kicking back a little bit This there. beer has been fighting back a little bit, so. So Ugh. we move on from prayer. Let's spend a few minutes. Let's talk about oaths and vows. Um, this is, this is a great one, uh, for Christians because so many times Christians end up trying to skirt the system and 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 i will i will readily confess here on the beers and bible podcast that i have tried to skirt the system (laughs) um but but what scripture calls us to be is truthful people Mm -hmm. you know how how are we to be truthful people where we're we're supposed to be truthful people in all of our relationships we're truthful people with those who we deal with so that people know when they deal with us they can trust what we say to be true yeah yeah, and I mean, if if you're not a truthful, if you're a believer that's has a reputation for not being truthful, when you come to somebody with the gospel and and present it to them, if they know your reputation, they're not going to listen to you. They're exactly. not. They're not going to have. They're not going to be interested in what you have to say because you speak out of the other side of your mouth. Yeah. Um. You know, we 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 talked a little bit earlier about your fellowship in your marriage. Um. You know, truth, you should be truthful in all your relationships, marriage, friendships, relationships with your kids, other believers, um, because it's commanded by God for us to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really, truth-telling is this, like, foundational, um, integral part of authentic godliness. Yes. 
It, it, it absolutely is. And, you know, it's, I think it's, uh, maybe Luke six forty six, where, where Jesus says, simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how many times do you ask somebody a question? They go, well, you know, and, and you, and you kind of get this, this sense that they don't want to tell you the whole truth or they don't want to tell you something or they don't want to, they want to hold something back. Mm-hmm. And, and Christians are not called to be that type of person. Yeah. As, as believers, we don't have the freedom for our yes to be, for our yes or no to be conditional. Yeah. Yeah. There's no asterisks in Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> There's really not. I mean, it's, 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 we need to be people of the truth so that people can trust us to be people of the truth. Cause here's the thing. If you're not, if you're, if you're not going to tell the truth when it hurts somebody's feelings, mm-hmm. they're not going to trust you to tell the truth when it doesn't hurt their feelings. Yeah. That's a good word. And, and so, so, you know, sometimes telling the truth means upsetting somebody. And, that, and that's the thing. The truth doesn't always mean good news. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the truth does mean bad news. But as Christians, we're called to speak that truth. But remember what we talked about last week. We're called to speak that truth in love. Mm-hmm. We're called to speak that truth with as much grace and as much love as we possibly can so that we can give people hope. Right. You know, we talked about all that last week. And this is where all of these topics kind of over overact or over integrate integrate with each other mm-hmm. um and and i mean the the ninth commandment is pretty clear thou shalt not lie thou yeah. shalt not bear false witness mm-hmm. um you know it's it's you can you can interpret it a couple of different ways and and the westminster catechism does a really good job of talking about this specific commandment mm-hmm. um give us tell us what the the westminster catechism talks about on this commandment Okay, so um, regarding the Ninth Commandment, the Westminster Catechism says um, the duties required are preserving and promoting the truth between man and man and the good name of our neighbor as well as our own, appearing and standing for the truth, and from the heart, sincerely, freely, clearly, and fully speaking the truth in matters of judgment and justice and in all other things whatsoever. So, pretty much tell the truth all the time. Yes. No, no matter who you're interacting with or what you're even talking about. Yeah. Is pretty much what they're saying there. Even when the world says, don't judge me, you yeah. still tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing. They, don't know, they just know that verse says, judge not lest you be judged. They don't know that the rest of that chapter is devoted to, but when you judge, judge rightly. Mm -hmm. You know, if you read the rest of Matthew chapter seven, you understand that that verse is saying that specific verse is saying, you better make sure your house is in line before you go pointing fingers at other people's houses. Right. But when you, but when you decide to go point fingers at other people's houses, do it the right way. Yeah. (laughs) Do it the right way. And, and so, and, and that is where, the truth, this this idea of an mm-hmm. oath or a vow comes in. You have yeah. a, an obligation to the truth, and that's what that's what the ninth commandment leads us to. It's it's not just don't lie, you know, don't tell lies. It's it's more than just that. It's we're to live as people of the truth. We're supposed to mm-hmm. stand for truth. Yeah. We're supposed to be truth bearers. We are the ones who have the keys to truth. We have the one. The prophet, the priest, the king, who says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." Mm-hmm. And so, because we have all of these tools in our arsenal, we are to use them with grace, and we are to use them with love. Uh, but we're supposed to be truthful when we do. Yeah, and and that's where, you know, that's where people, when you go back to prayer, when you you know to link these two together, when you go back to prayer, be honest with God in your prayer. God, this is really hurting my soul. You know, God, this is really, I don't understand this. I don't know why this is this way. Can you help me? Mm. Um, When we're honest with God in our prayers, we are more than likely going to be honest with the people who are around us. And, you know, I love watching a a bad TV show um, where I go, you know, if that guy would have just been honest at the start of this whole uh, program, then we wouldn't have, number one, we wouldn't have the show that we have. So, right. The, the whole thing is based on them like not telling the truth or whatever, but 
Uh, but you you know you see that over and over played out on TV where if people would just be honest, yeah, then it would solve a lot of problems. Yeah. But how many times do we go? Do we find out something after the fact and go, why didn't you tell me that earlier? Mm-hmm. I could have helped with that. I could have you know. But we do the exact same thing. You know, how many times has somebody said to you, why didn't you tell me that earlier? If I would have known that, I could have done this. Yeah. And and I think, you know, as believers, we have a fear of hurting other people's feelings or um, putting other people in an uncomfortable position. But at the same time, like you said, we are to be truth bearers. And that means being a truth bearer, even if it's a hard thing to say. Yeah. If if you've got a a brother or sister who's who's caught up in some in, in some sin or is not living in a way that reflects Jesus, you're kind of required to call them out on it, yeah. and and to do it in love. Warren Wiersbe says, um, "Truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy." Yes, and so you know we need to live our lives in such a way that we're loving other people, but telling them the truth in a loving way while we love them. Exactly. Exactly. If, if you're not known by your love, then, then people are going to dismiss what you have to say, Mm -hmm. you know, but um, on the, on the flip side of that coin, if you're only known for your brutality, no one's going to want to talk to you. Exactly. Exactly. If you're, if you're not mixing grace and truth, if you're not mixing love and truth together, Mm-hmm. then nobody is going to want to talk to you. And, and that goes back to what we talked about, I guess it was last week, with the legalism and antinomianism. You know, if you're all law, people people think you're just a dictator. But if you're all grace, people think you're a hippie. I think that's the best way to put that. People, you know, the whole free love thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so you're you're either, don't, don't be a, a legalist, but also don't be a hippie. I think that's where I'm going to leave that one. <laughs> I think, I think that's... Don't be a hippie. Don't be a hippie. Don't be a heretic. Don't be a hippie. Yes. We need a third yes. H thing to not be. <laughs> so so let's 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 bring oaths and vows in, in full circle. Mm-hmm. You know, what what are vows? What are oaths? If we have to if we have to say this is a vow, this is an oath, what do we do? What do we say? So this is just straight from Packer. But um so oaths are Solemn declarations that invoke God as a witness of one's statements and promises, inviting him to punish should one be lying. Yikes. Yeah, so don't... <laughs> uh, and I think that's part of the reason why the um, during the Reformation, the Anabaptists um, declined oaths as a practice altogether. Yeah. Well, and that's... I mean, that's where a lot... That's why a lot of this, this whole Reformation, because the... At the time, the Catholic Church would make you, you know, swear an oath to this and swear an oath to that, and 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 so it was really a lot of it was done in uh, response to or rejection of the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it's 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 it, uh, just to go back to the simple words of Jesus: simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Mm-hmm. It's it's really as simple as that. Yeah. And and I I don't it I don't should, know it should be as simple as that. Yeah, exactly. You know, now if we're talking about something that is that is a gray area and you have to nuance it or you have to give a position, that's okay. But you you still at the even even if you nuance your position, you're still saying I believe X. Yeah. So you're saying this is what I believe, and here's the reason why I believe it. Mm-hmm. And so we're as Christians, we're allowed to disagree. That's what liberty is. Yeah, we're allowed to disagree, but we still have to be people who say, "Here's what I believe, and here's why I believe that." And if we can't, at the end of the day, in good conscience, say, "You know, I understand that person's position," then then you know we we need to go back to the drawing table and figure out what we're doing because mm-hmm. because we're really becoming a people who are polarized by our views you know and, yeah. and and i can't help but relate that to to politics in the united states today you know it's it's if you're if you're not a gun hating abortion supporting um 
socialist loving this, then you're not a Democrat. Well, if you're not a gun loving, abortion hating, uh, capitalism loving this, then you're not a Republican. And and we've 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 separated our views so far mm-hmm. that there's there's no room for people who to say, well, I, I don't really agree with that, and here's why I don't agree with that, yeah. and and you know leave room for there, people in the middle. There there's, and, and I think this goes for most issues today, whether trivial or not. There's not room for anyone to be in the gray. Yeah, you, you have to be. I mean. Right or wrong, our culture says you have to be on one side or the other. And yeah. There's there's not yeah. an in between. You're either on the right side of history or the wrong side of history. Yeah. That's the language that, that keeps being used. Mm. And and you know there there is space in the middle. Yes and yes and no and no does not mean that that every single decision is black and white. Yeah. But what it does mean is when you say something, you mean it. Mm-hmm. When you decide to land on a, on an issue or a position. Stay with that issue or that position. Don't let somebody else bully you into doing yeah. something else. Yeah. You know? That's also, also not to say, like, your position can't change over time. Yeah. I mean, as a 22-year-old college student, relatively young believer, I wasn't drinking because I didn't <laughs> think, you know, right, I'd only been in an SBC church, so I was like, oh, drinking's not, you know, I shouldn't drink because... Jesus wouldn't want me to, and now in I the words of the Wonder Boys, mama, drinking is the devil. You ain't wrong. <laughs> no, but I mean, but now I'm, you know, I'm older, wiser. I've been, I've inter, or sorry, I've uh, been introduced to people who think differently than I do about the scripture and the Bible and and certain things, and um. And obviously, I, I like beer now. So, <laughs> I think yes. I think the the derailment there for me was getting my first tattoo like ten years ago. Nice, I like tattoos. Yes. So anyway, so okay, so so if that's what a va- uh, an oath is, sorry, if yes. that's what an oath is. What is a vow? So a vow, uh, and and Packer puts it related specifically related to a god. Vow to God is the devotional equivalent of oaths. And must be treated with equal seriousness, is what he says. Why so serious? Why so serious? Thanks, Joker. Um, but he, I mean, what he's saying there is, when you when you say something, mean what you say. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Um, I, I had a college professor always tell me, words mean things. Yep. And and so, don't I say do. something flippantly. Because when you're when you say it, you're putting your uh, your integrity behind it. You're making a vow, whatever mm-hmm. that true statement is. Yeah, you're you're kind of making a borderline vow. A vow yeah. is not just what you say when you're getting married. You know, yeah. a vow is the way you carry yourself on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you know, if we were if we could just remember that when we say something out loud then there's no taking it back. As long as it's still inside, as long as it's still mm-hmm. in our mind, as long as we haven't said anything yet, we could still change whatever decision yes. we're about to make. Once you say it out loud, people are gonna hold people, you to people it. are gonna hold you to that and let your yes be yes and your no be no. Especially now when everything is recorded. Yes. <laughs> you know Google has a massive database of every conversation had ever. Yes. <laughs> Or Apple. I'm pretty sure they went back before they were they were even existed and yeah. somehow got recordings of everything. Yeah. But I mean, but but I think about it. God requires us to take His word seriously when in when the Holy Spirit speaks to us through the Bible. God requires us to take that seriously. Why wouldn't He also require us to take our own word seriously and the words of others seriously? And even even closer to home, if God takes His own word seriously, why don't you take your own word seriously? Mm. Yeah. You know, if we're supposed to be imitating God, if we're supposed to be imitators of Christ mm-hmm. and and God takes his own word seriously, why don't you take your own your own word seriously? And and I mean the the challenge is really as simple as that. Yeah. It's you know, it, it can't really get any simpler than that. I believe. Uh, that's you know, that's where I fall. So uh that's oaths. And that's vows. Do we have anything else we want to add on those? I don't think so. I think we I think we have more than covered all those. 
things. We, we spent a little extra time on prayer tonight, and I, and I think it was it was essential for us to do that. I, I knew we were going to spend a little extra time on prayer, um, but we did want to we did want to try to tackle at least two more tonight. So we hope you've enjoyed the discussion. Um, we hope you will come back and join us again next week. We had the though I'm not even going to attempt it. Something in German. Weihenstefan. Weihenstefaner. Yes, what he said. Hefe Weissbier. Hefe Weissbier. I would be really disappointed to find out from a German speaking person that I <laughs> butchered that really bad. <laughs> that would break my heart my friend, a little bit. Because I have a friend who lived in Germany, so he speaks German. And, and I've actually walked in on him like he has a couple of friends that speak German. And I've I've seen him speaking German to them, and I'm like, I I feel like you're cursing at me right now because so um, unrelated but sort of related. A guy at work spent some time in Russia, and oh. so he speaks the Russian, the Russian, <laughs> and it is intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I hear a Russian speak, I think uh, all he's saying to me is, "I'm going to cut off your legs." Yeah. Pretty much. Like, <laughs> like he got off the time. phone one time, and I was like, it sounded like that was a serious conversation. He was like, no, that was like a 98-year-old lady from the village we used to live in. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you were talking about killing people. What are you? <laughs> what just happened? So, digression, back to digression. what we're talking anyway. about. Um, so, if people wanted to get a hold of us on social media, where would they get a hold of us on social media? If, if people wanted to get a hold of us on social media i don't know why they would but if they did because we're uh, cool and we're posting more we are posting somewhat more we've got a you and i need to have a we need to have a planning something <laughs> anyway um so yeah uh instagram instagram that's that's the word <laughs> um if you want to follow us on instagram we're there at beers and bible underscore um we're on the twitter at beers and bible p1 you can search for us on Facebook. Um, just search Beers and Bible Podcasts. You would look for our logo um, on all three of those social media platforms. And then if you want to send us an email, you would do that by sending an email to beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on any of those. Send us your beer suggestions, concerns, and uh, any questions you have. Uh interesting topics you think would be nice and uh, good for us to uh, dive into once we finish concise theology which which is coming up soon which given uh following our math is probably about eight or ten weeks away so it's basically a coronavirus away yeah we are so it's going to be right at a year since we started the podcast that will finish concise theology which is good, because we be wanted just, to finish in a year. It'll be just a little short of a year, I think. So, And given that we took a month off, that'll be a a good uh, yeah, good thing to do. So, anyway, but yeah, seriously, hit us up on there. Like our pages. Share our posts. Um, send us messages. We, we would love to interact with our listeners uh, more. And, yeah, that's that's all that that we have to, have to go on. So, until next week... May your beer be cold, and your theology be deep. That was good. That was a... <laughs> I just made that up off the top of my head. <laughs> I think we have a new tagline. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> All right. Seriously. Until next time. Peace out. See ya. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. 